It's a long way home from here I won't be back in a year Cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze Capture me again And all the lies you tell someone else And welcome back to another episode of Into the Wilderness Brought to you by Seawill Canada uh, Back in the studio, very excited, 2022 I'm um, your host Dan Lonergan um, it's a new year, uh, you know, new episodes, new topics, new opinions, still same old uh, episode feel that you've come to know from us here at SeaWell. Um, as always, you can find our show on, you know, main platform, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite shows. If you're looking to find out more about SeaWell itself, check us out, SeaWellCanada.ca. We've got a YouTube channel, a lot of content on there, especially if you're in the practitioner or the employer or partner space. That's just YouTube, uh, Seawell Canada on YouTube. And, uh, you know, in the past, we've we've gone into specific topics. Shows have had different themes. We've covered a couple of different will types. Uh, we had an episode right before the, our little break over the holidays around some barriers in work integrated learning. We talked about some financial ones. We also just talked about some institutional barriers. Um, and today, uh, I want to kind of dive into to a very specific topic actually it's a very specific word that pops up in the world of work integrated learning quite frequently uh historically it's been there you know today if you look at it is the is it changing is the word still as prevalent as it was um we, we deal with a lot of acronyms in will and i know we've made that running joke on this episode that one day we'll have just a full acronym episode and maybe we will um but today not an acronym it's a word uh, and the word that I'm, I'm referring to is placement or placements as far as it pertains to work integrated learning. Often this comes up when we look at things like co-op, so co-op placements, internship placements, um, and it's become a bit of a divisive word or a misunderstood word, if you will. So very excited uh, to be joined by my guest today who who is very passionate about this word, this topic, said, you know what, Dan, if I can ever get on the show, this is what I want to talk about. And I said, absolutely, let's do it. Uh, so he's a seasoned pro in the Will space. He's got over 20 years of experience, currently the Director of Management and Career Services at Dalhousie University's Rowe School of Business. Uh, he oversees a lot of Will career services for over 2,000 business students uh, at the at the university there. Uh, also an active volunteer, especially with us at Seawill, recently being appointed as our, the chair of our accreditation council. Uh, and he is what some might call a thrill seeker. Robert Wooden joins us today. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming on. And, and I want to, before we dive into placements and everything about them, this thrill-seeking part, because uh, I know we got to talking a bit and uh, you have you have this bungee jumping story. And, and me personally, have never been bungee jumping, never been skydiving, really have no desire on either front. Um, but but tell me, so you you were in New Zealand? Yeah, so I used to work in the travel industry. That's actually where I got my first exposure to co-op. I, I hired co-op students and new grads while I was uh, in marketing and business development. And in the travel industry, there's a few perks, like sometimes going to international destinations for low fees. So I was with a group of uh, staff from our uh, travel agency, and we were in New Zealand, and we had the opportunity to skydive uh, and or bungee. I'm very afraid of heights, so skydiving was I, I'd get up in the plane and I probably wouldn't get out. Uh, so I chose to do the bungee and I did so on the North Island of New Zealand over the Taupo River. 
and um, you know, standing at the end of this bungee site with this cord, heavy, heavy cord tied on your ankles, I'm kind of wondering what the heck was I thinking, but it was an exhilarating experience. So because I did it on the Taupo River, as I'm bouncing up and down, uh, there's a guy in a boat with this long pole who says, Bobby from Canada. So first thing, Bobby's not my name, but I'm dangling upside down on a cord, <laughs> so I want to get in the boat, so I don't correct him on that. But normally, if you called me Bobby, I would correct you. And the next thing he says, do you know, and he says a name to me. I'm in New Zealand on the North Island, had never been here before, and this guy's asking me if I know this guy. Well, guess what, Dan? The world is not as large as we think, and I do know the guy. So the guy he was referring to is a Kiwi, a New Zealander. Um, he had worked in uh, the budget travel space in New Zealand, and then he had come to Canada to represent some travel products. So I had actually worked with this guy on training initiatives with our teams. I had done marketing promotions with him. I had been to a couple of really good parties with him as well. So as I'm bouncing up and down on a bungee cord over the beautiful Taupo River on the North Island of New Zealand, yeah, I was talking about a guy that we both knew. So it's kind of a small world. Absolutely. That's wild. Uh, and, and noted not to not to call you Bobby uh, yeah. during this yeah, episode I won't respond. Or, or in the future. <laughs> Uh, so you. that's that's good to know. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> yes. Hey, we've all got that name, right? That you know yeah. somebody referred to us. Uh, I think when I was was little, you know, part of my family, my middle name is Joseph, and so they they wanted to call me DJ, and I don't know why. I just I never liked it. I never identified with it. No. Um. So I, I feel you on that one. Um. Well, so you know, this I don't know if this topic will be as exhilarating as your bungee jumping experience, but as far as what we're doing with the show, I really want to talk to you about this word placement. Um, and I know, I know we've talked previously about the word, should it be used? What does it mean? So I thought, you know, an effective way. Okay. So if, if we want to refer to the word, the true word placements, let's, you know, let's start with the definition of the word. So Google, good friend, Google placement sure. definition, uh, the act of putting someone or something in a particular place or the fact of being placed, hence placement. So. You know, if I hone in on putting someone, so we're talking about students here, uh, in a particular place. When you hear that, and then if you look at the phrase co-op placements, what? How does that make you feel? What is what? What strikes there? So I, um, we have a, a monthly social with our team, and I mentioned to the team yesterday that I was doing a podcast on this, and lots of laughter and stuff. So <laughs> um, I am passionate about the word and how the word should be appropriately used, Dan. And there are nine forms of work integrated learning. As we know, Cooperative Education and Work Integrated Learning is our organization. And my office and the programs that I steward are all accredited through the accreditation service of CWIL as co-op alternating or co-op internship models. So they're all under one of those nine forms of will. It would be my assertion that using the word placement for the form of will that is cooperative education is inappropriate. However, in some of the other forms of work integrated learning, it can be considered to be appropriate. Now, I am the current chair of the Accreditation Council. I'm very pleased that if you were to Google, uh, if you do a search in the Word document for the accreditation application, the word placement is not found in the document. And that's right. not because I went through and sanitized it. Um, <laughs> it it, you know, I haven't changed the accreditation application form per se. Um, but interestingly enough, as practitioners, um, I was at a directors and managers meeting pre-COVID, sitting next to someone, had a little kind of coffee break chat. 
um, about that word. And she said, yeah, I totally see what you say about placement and stuff. And then lo and behold, later on in the meeting, she goes and uses the word and then she immediately starts laughing. And she looks at me and we're kind of giggling and nobody else knows why she's laughing all of a sudden. We have colleagues that are called placement coordinators. So it's it, it's a very, very common word. But for my institution, for the programs that my team stewards, it's not a word that we use. And and uh, because they're all accredited under the cooperative education, one form of the nine forms of will. Right. And, and you know, you make the point that the word has kind of just become synonymous with with higher ed and, and the way that people operate, job titles. Um, so how did we how did we get to here? Like, what did, do you have any context of, of why they started being called co-op placements? Yeah, I think probably um, if I go back to my early first exposures to work integrated learning, it wasn't as a practitioner, it was as an employer partner. Um, so we hired uh, students to be marketing assistants uh, in our regional marketing office, and I hired new grads as well. And I think part of it, um, I'm not a I'm, a, I'm not a fan of a couple of things. So the other thing I'm not really a fan of is rank and match, which sure. is very common in some larger co-op programs. And if we look at how rank and match works, employers uh, take applications from students and they consider them and right, and then they rank them, and then the students rank the jobs. And then I guess you could say that you know there's maybe a bit more of a placing there, right? Because there's an algorithm that runs sure. and places. So maybe the the you know, the rank and match procedure, maybe that has something to do with it. When I was an employer partner, I worked with two schools, one that did rank and match and one that did not. And the way I always did it was I'd get applications from both. I'd interview from both, but I would have time to make my hiring decision before the rankings were due because I always wasn't as keen to compete for the talent. I wanted to know I was hiring somebody that really wanted this opportunity. And the four or five students that I hired over the period of time, they always came out of the school without rank and match. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, I truly don't know. I haven't been around the space as long as some others. So I don't know what the true origins of it. But, you know, if you look at the states and the word internship, you have to be very careful when you use that word, because in some right. places, the word internship means unpaid. Yeah. And based on state legislation, there's organizations, we won't call them employers, they're organizations that want interns because state legislations allows them, if they're getting academic recognition for it, to not pay them. Right. And I know that's that's something that's come up on, on previous episodes and no doubt will will surface again, you know, the difference between a co-op and an internship and those words. And, you know, mm -hmm. what does that mean? It means something to an institution. It means it, it may or may not mean anything different to an employer or a partner if they don't know the inner workings and and that's I think part of what we're trying to do with with the material coming out from Seawell also the show in general is to just try to educate people of like this it, it can be a confusing space there's a lot of words it's a lot of language and then you know you look at our our French colleagues and does it translate well and yeah. I know we've been trying to spend considerable efforts to to make sure that it does and um but so yeah we come back to placements wherever it started or, or origin originated um so if we look at it you know if if it's still being used co-op placements work placements whether it's you know internship or we'll stick to co-op just for the sake of argument sure what, what's what's wrong with this right like let's say you know it's i look at it and be like i i don't really i don't really take offense to it you know let's say i'm in that camp and it's it's just a word you know in your experience and where where has this presented some issues? So um, 
I'm so passionate about this topic, I've corrected deans and directors and faculty members to not use the word within my program, uh, my program, our program here at Dalhousie at the Rose School of Business. Um, and, you know, had debriefs with them and said, why? Well, part of it is, I truly believe that all of us as co-op practitioners do an incredible job of allocating time, resources and knowledge to developing a toolbox of skills for our students that become that come into co-op programs. So everything about career development practices, whether it's, you know, coaching on resumes, cover letters, information interviewing, whatever the list goes on. All of our quality cooperative education programs in the country do all this great work. But let's look at this from the student or even the potential student perspective. One event that I participate in multiple times every year that I love is Dal Open House. Okay. Every school has some type of recruitment, uh, you know, activities going on. Yeah. The last little while they've been more virtual than in person per se. But when I work those booths or when I give presentations, because in our Bachelor of Commerce program at Dalhousie, it's mandatory co-op. You don't apply to co-op, you don't opt in, you don't opt out everyone does co-op so that's part of the reason why i really enjoy doing dal open house to explain the value that cooperative education of our co-op of our commerce program brings to the students and if you were a student or more often a parent and i was using the term placement well whose responsibility is it to put that individual into something it is not my team's responsibility it is not my responsibility it's not mom or dad's responsibility it's the learner's responsibility. So I think when you use the term placement, it's, you know, it's not that negative of a word, but let's look at contextually. If I enter this program, I'm recruited to come in, I have to do three placements, and then all of your training and your PPD, whatever you do to prepare your students for the job competition, if you're using the word placement, do some students feel that it's not their responsibility? I yeah. think so. And I've had conversations with parents, actually, uh, years ago when I was our operations manager, our first work term is in the winter term. So right around late November, you tend to get a call or two from a parent and they would come through to me. Why haven't you placed my son yet? There it is. Right. So, well, let's just have a conversation about how it's actually we are. I like using the analogy, Dan, teach a person to fish and they'll eat for life. So if we were to give students three jobs, if we place them, who's placing them when they go out post their experience here? Whereas if we use the analogy of teach a person to fish and the career development skills, we're going to, that's all the teaching. The fish, of course, are the jobs. And I'm proud to say that the team members that I have that do new employer development and the team members that I have that do employer relationship management, we do a wonderful job of bringing in those fish, those jobs. And for our semesters, we average between um, more than two jobs per student to some semesters. We have five jobs per wow. student. That's yeah, that's impressive. Those are impressive numbers. Um, I agree. You know, a lot of, of what you're saying there and with the analogy, I like it. Um, I, I've had similar experiences, right? So before I was was doing this gig with Sewell and, and other things, you know, I was at Brock University and, and as well, I I participated in the recruitment events, you know, our own open house, the, the yep. Ontario University Fair, which was in Toronto every year. So a lot of schools in one space. Massive and it's events. Kind of, Massive. Yeah. And it's like that big, like testing ground. And it's it's usually it is usually parents. I always encourage the students like, hey, like I want to know what what your questions are. But uh, whatever, everybody's situation is different. But oftentimes I'd get 
that question. I wasn't even in a co-op role. You know, I, I was doing experiential learning, so it was more course-based, but I'll answer questions. Um, I like talking to people, obviously. <laughs> um, but they'd come up and they'd be like, yeah, so, you know, what do you do to, um, you know, ensure that my son or daughter gets a job in co-op? Or like, do you like, how do you place them? And and the word would come up. And and I think I think we're in the same boat on this in the sense of it's that's not quite how it works, right? Like, yes, there's a team of people that will help coach your your son or your daughter along. You know, they'll make sure that they're equipped with the right tools to hone their resume, their interview skills, job seeking, you know, weeding through uh, opportunities, seeing what's a what's a good fit, what's not. But I always came back to at the end of the day, we're not I'm not clicking the button. Like I, I'm not the one hitting apply. I'm not the one that says, yeah, show up here on Monday morning and you, you're there for the next 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. That's on that's on the student, right? That's on the job seeker. To your point, yeah, when they're when when this part of their career and their journey is is done when they graduate, they that they're gonna have to do that themselves to find their first yep. job post graduation. Yeah, and I would I would always be really open and transparent in terms of what our program is and what it isn't. It yeah. isn't a placement service. So if your son or daughter, if that's what you're looking for, your son or daughter, perhaps the Rose School of Business Bachelor of Commerce program isn't for your son or daughter, right? Um, but you know, there's no sense of saying, oh yeah, we place everyone. We don't place anyone. We talk about our employment rate, right? Right. And for students as they're evaluating university, which is tremendously expensive, no one's going to dispute that fact, to have a really clear understanding of what they're signing up for and stuff is is important. Um, So I'm sure all of the programs um, across Canada, there's some form of a co-op agreement or a program agreement or something that they do. And it's spelled out in that program agreement as well, that the student, the learner, is the one responsible for securing three work terms in our commerce co-op program. And and I would agree. And I think that's part of the learning process. That's part of what makes, you know, a co-op program different from a program that may not include or have a mandatory, in your case, uh, co-op portion to that degree. Yeah. Um, so then I'll ask you this. So if if we're not going to use the word placements, and and I think I, I have I've known you for about two years now. I think since since joining Seawell, and and I've been more mindful of casually using the word because of you. So I oh I, interesting. I, I thank you for that. I, it's, it's something that's in my head, and I'm probably much like the individual that you were referring to earlier that you had a good laugh about it. It kind of sticks once you really just sit back and think about it. Like yeah, okay, maybe I shouldn't use this word. So we're not going to use co-op placements. What what do you prefer? What what's yes. your phrase or word of choice? So in our in our office management career services, we're actually a hybrid uh, work integrated learning and career services office for business okay. students. So we do both sides of the street, as I say, and we support three programs. The other two programs that we support are accredited under the co-op internship model. So we have a bachelor of management internship, and we have a corporate residency MBA. I'm sure we trademarked that somewhere because it's an awesome two words, corporate residency, right? (laughs) Sells the program really well. It's an internship though, right? So we don't use the word co-op or placement uh, and we, but the all encompassing word is work term. Sure. That's the word that we use. So when I talk at program committees or with my Dean or with faculty members, or when I report on data and so on, we're reporting on the number of work terms. So look at our annual report that's on our public facing website. It's reporting for three programs, the number of work terms. 
makes sense. Pretty simple, hey? To me, yeah, it's a work term. That's what. Yeah, it's a work term. Yeah. And, and I it think covers you, because we have those three programs with, you know, the internships of the other two programs versus the co-op for the first one. The term yeah. work term covers them all. Right. And even even, you know, doing some digging, doing some some searching, trying. I, I think it's changing. And I don't know if you agree with this, it, it, that schools are moving away from co-op placements as like the branding part or the part that you would see in documents like you said it, it doesn't show up in the accreditation and i think it's more of this casual language that is that is still being used but from a formal thing like not a lot turned up there's still some some sites that call it co-op placement still some schools there um do you think it's changing i think there's some change in it and i think it's good for it to change in terms of cooperative education as well so we've talked about the lens of using the word you know i mentioned the students and the parents what if we talk about the employers or the hosts per se right so um i'll pick on the advertising industry for a second somebody who's my age in their 50s did some type of an un paid placement to get into that industry most likely right right right. back when i did my undergraduate it was fifteen hundred dollars a year it's a little different now right a little little more expensive than when i did my undergrad um uh you know in the late 80s per se but i mean the word placement i think leaves some ambiguity as well of the compensation Mm. piece and to be accredited uh, on one of the accreditation standards students are appropriately remunerated for their work because they're delivering value so you know sometimes maybe i refuse to use the word when an organization is hosting a student and not paying them they're not an employer right right okay um they're a host organization but if we're using the term placement does that organization does that representative think they're doing us a favor are they doing the student a favor by giving a placement no these students know so much they're keen to learn more they want to launch their careers at some point they're going to add value to these organizations they should be compensated and to be accredited they have to be 100 percent. yeah and i've i've said for a long time right like in, by engaging through student talent it's it's what can revitalize or re-energize your workforce a team yep. you know if if organizational culture is a little bit down sometimes it can be the thing that turns it around or flips it on its head it's new ideas so yeah i i'm much in the same space of you know i don't want you to view this as you're doing the the institution or the student a favor like i you know when i've worked exactly when i've worked with partners you know whether you call them host host organizations with us doing it in courses that we we affectionately refer to them as the community partners whatnot And there's no money. There's no money in these cases exchanging hands. But I'm I'm very upfront in the sense of I don't want this to feel like an obligation on your end. Like mm-hmm. we're doing this to benefit your organization, our yeah. community. Um, this should be a, a, a reciprocal uh, relationship here. Like both sides should benefit the students from the learning perspective and you from what they're they're bringing to you. Um, but yeah, back to the placement piece. It's like well if if the student had no active engagement in securing this, yeah, okay, I could see how maybe that, yeah. that logic starts to piece together of, well, they didn't really, they just kind of got put here. If we go back to the, the definition, they were placed mm-hmm. um, by no real, whether it's effort or, or anything on their own. 
So should I be paying them? I, I guess, you know, I could I could probably get on that camp and argue that if I had to. And I think the amount of effort that the student, the amount of time is is something that should be considered as well, yeah. right? If you have a, to be accredited through Seawell, a co-op has to be a minimum of 420 hours. That's long an time. awfully long time to be unpaid, and it, it becomes a matter of equity. So there are definitely individuals that are in post-secondary that could handle that no problem. Yeah. Mom or dad are well-to-do, they're happy to support their entire education. And then there's other people who maybe they can't participate in cooperative education right. if they're being placed into an unpaid 420-hour experience. So it's a matter of equity as well. 100%. And I know we I touched on that on a previous episode where we, we focused on co-op and that came up um, where co-op can be a bit divisive. It can have some barriers from the financial perspective and you know if, if that re- strikes a chord with anybody listening I, I encourage you to check out that co-op episode but um yeah it's it's a very valid point and a lot of the things that that you talk about ring true at least for me and, and my experience in this space but i think you mentioned it off the off the hop yeah we've got nine different forms of will that we recognize at see well and, and institutions have their own definitions and, and rightfully so and try to figure out how this all piece to pieces together is a fun challenge but there are some will types, so if we move aside from co-op, specific, maybe mm-hmm. even internship, where placement does make sense as, as a word. So where, you know, it is a cohort of students, they come in and they are, for, for lack of a better word, placed in yep. whatever will opportunity is connected to their program. So again, just drawing from a personal experience at one point in one life, I went through teachers college, okay. uh, you know, wanted wanted to go the old high school teacher route, kind of fell out of love with the whole system of of, <laughs> post, of secondary school. OK, um, at least in Ontario and the way yeah. that it works. But with with the teachers college piece, you know, when it got time to do the actual practicums, which is what it was referred to. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you didn't really have a say, you know, you were in a cohort of teacher candidates. And you got a sheet when you started this course of, you know, you had to do three over the course of the year. And here's the schools that you were going to. I think they let us, depending on where we lived um, or if we, you know, if if we were local to the St. Catharines area where Brock is or if you were not from there, you could kind of say, could I do one closer to home? But they placed you in schools that they had connections with. You really didn't have yeah. much of a, a choice. You didn't have to apply. You just had to have your paperwork in order. Um, and like a TB test, that was about it. So you take that as an example. I know there's other examples in nursing, uh, where placements and so on. And I think, I think what's important to look at here is first of all, it's transparent. When you were evaluating going to teacher's college, you were aware that doing these practicums existed and they are very transparent about them being unpaid and however many hours and so on. And, you know, the challenge with it is what BED program is going to be the first one that's going to go to say to public school systems, right? They don't have a ton of organizations to draw from to get this experience, unlike in co-op in many different, you know, could be in government, could be in not-for-profits, could be in paid organized, you know, for-profit organizations. But who would have the ability to all of a sudden say, yeah, we got 75 in our next cohort and they all have to be paid and say that to their local uh, public school systems. And then the public school system would say, there's no money for this. We'll just go and get our student our student teachers from fill in the blank next program that has a BED. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a bit different. Um, 
you know, co-op has been paid for a very long time. And, you know, look at the comparison between so much unpaid work in the United States compared to the fact that co-op has had rigor and been in existence in Canada for so long. The accreditation service has existed since 1979. So we really are in a, in a special spot with how we operate our co-op programs. But I agree with you, there are nine forms of will and there definitely is spots. Um, in those definitions, which currently our Quality Improvement Council is doing a little bit of tweaking to those definitions. Uh, I had a meeting with them before Christmas um, and their discussion of tweaking the definitions was for alignment so that all the definitions were set up um, in the same format per se and so on. Right. But yeah, you know, uh, teachers college, clinical placements. Um, we have a, a master's of information here at Dalhousie in our faculty and they have a hundred hour practicum per se and it is unpaid and you have to be supervised with someone that holds a master of information or a master of library and information studies per se right but a right. hundred hours okay i can knock this off in april i have no exams in my program knock off a hundred hours in april and then i have may june july august to get a summer job to pay for my next year tuition right, right? and i think that's one of the things that's a little bit I guess unpalatable to me is for organizations to have an expectation that someone could do the requirements of a co-op work term of 420 hours unpaid. And you mentioned your community partners and those experience that were course-based form of will. How They certainly weren't 420 no. hours, were they, Dan? No, no. I mean, obviously they, they vary depending on the course and, and every, it's groups, right? So every group yep. might even spend a different amount of time. Yeah, they probably average out to about 50 hours, you know, yeah. over the course. Oh, over a the semester. Course. Yeah, 12 weeks. Um, and then you divide that per student, right? So if it's a group of four, is it 50 hours each? Probably not. Um, so yeah, so in that case, I mean, we bring the opportunity into the class. There's no applications. It's not competitive. It's, it's a very different process. We still yep. don't call them placements, right? It's their projects. Yeah. Yeah. They're, Cause there's, the students aren't going into the, the organization. They're not, they, they don't become embedded. They're not there, you know, for the yep. extent that a co-op student is. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that that's a piece that probably on the, the community, the industry side, that there's, there, there's, there needs to be a stronger understanding. And that's what we're trying to do as far as there, there's different intensities to work integrated learning. And a lot of that does come with duration. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 420 hours, it's a long time. It's a long and time. You're, I, I don't want my point of view on the word placement for anyone to walk away from listening to this podcast to think the other forms of will aren't as good as co-op. No, That's no. not my point of view, right? But I think contextually, um, if people listening to this podcast who aren't practitioners, or maybe they are practitioners, but if they haven't seen those forms of will and reading those definitions, you know, head on over to see Will Canada um, yeah. to, to read those definitions, have a bit of understanding because maybe someone's thinking of the word placement and they just see all this, you know, we are in a very nice time right now that there's lots of money from our federal government to support multiple forms of work, integrated learning and so on, but have an understanding because often, you know, these definitions have been around for a couple of years now, but people use one term and they yeah. really mean something else. And I think clarifying definitions and having an understanding when you first engage with someone, oh, you keep using this term. Actually, the term I would use would be this, and let's just have an, a, a commonality of what we're really talking about here. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I've said it, like, I don't, I don't come from a co-op background. So I'm, I am passionate about, yeah, other types of will, cause that's, mm -hmm. 
you know, that's where my my heart is in those. And I'm I'm the first person to say, like, you know, if, if you're an industry partner or an employer and you've only historically known co-op or internship, right, as a word, you know, explore what else you might be able to do. And maybe it isn't because maybe time was a barrier for you, right? So you didn't yep. engage with co-op because you knew it was 420 hours. You knew it was intensive and maybe you just don't have the capacity for that. Maybe there's a financial piece too. I don't or, know. Or, or maybe the opportunity isn't in alignment with 420 hours. So maybe you're an SME that needs yeah. to do a portion of a marketing plan yep. and having, uh, you know, uh, a marketing strategy course or, uh, you know, at a local university or college, having one of those uh, projects set up, you know, maybe that's what that organization particularly needs. Right. Co-op is typically, you know, the most expensive per se, but it's not the end all be all. And it really depends on um, the host organization having the opportunity to go through a needs analysis exactly with someone who's experienced in work integrated learning and, and multiple forms, because not everything is co-op, nor should it be. I agree. And, and the needs assessment piece for me, that that's kind of the, the crux to all of it, right? Like sit down, figure it out. What do we need? Do we need a student in here for 420 hours do we need something shorter do we need two co-op like what where yeah. do we fit in this ecosystem and then am i equipped enough to ask the right questions if i pick up the phone and call you know robert yeah. at dal or or whomever at an institution yeah. to say hey do you have this, anything like do you have something else and how does it work um and you know am i just given students or are students just placed here or can I have a more active involvement right. in this process, which I think is a, a key part. You, know, you mentioned it off the top of your experience as an employer and you enjoyed having that active experience when mm -hmm. you were looking at applicants. And I, I, I got to say, like, for me, that's that's the way it should be, um, that both sides should have a vetted interest in where they're working as a student, but also who they're hiring. Yeah. Uh, if you're an employer, because I, I'd be willing to bet like that's what leads to the more valuable experiences for both parties. Uh, but that's that's just me. I don't know. The other thing that's great about having multiple forms of will is and, and I, um, I I did a, a, a joint presentation with our associate dean academic um, in December at the Future of Work conference. And uh, she stewarded for a number of years a Management Without Borders course, and the whole course brings together grad students from four different schools, from four different programs, and shoves them all together and forces them to work collaboratively on community-based projects. And what we have seen is our office is able to throw opportunities towards her that are more in alignment with those projects. And also, these projects are a great way for organizations to realize wow, there's some amazing, talented young people at Dalhousie University, and maybe we should get involved in the corporate residency MBA program, or maybe we should hire a Bachelor of Commerce co-op student. So sometimes having a lower bar, you know, whether it's a, a community project per se, or, you know, a practicum or something of that nature, that can sometimes help promote other forms of will as well. 100%. I've always kind of compared it to a, like a scaffolding or a, a graduation yep. process of of whomever it is that you're working with as whether it's an employer or a partner that yeah maybe they start off they, they dip your foot in you know much like you, you got your fingers into the lake there when you were bungee jumping you didn't yep. go full you didn't go you know fully into the water it was a cold day it was a cold day <laughs> um so yeah maybe you start with with a less 
hour commitment project just to try it out and see like i've never done this before yep. and then you you work your way up again if your needs match you work your way up to something like a 420 hour co-op um but all of that to say you know we come back to the word placement whether it's still being used if it's kind of phasing out i think you know what i take away from this is just being mindful of, of language um and what it can potentially what it can say um what words what meaning words can convey to a, a different stakeholder group and i i appreciate that you kind of went into different groups whether it's students parents deans academics yep. and then our world of, of practitioners which um you know the majority of our, our membership and i'm assuming the listeners here are uh, just to be kind of mindful of you know it's probably more in those casual moments the word like placement might come up and is that the true nature of the will opportunity that you're referring to and maybe it is like teaching and nursing and some clinical ones that we we touched on but maybe it's not and maybe it's just taking a second to think yeah maybe maybe i i cut that word from my my regular vocabulary because i never thought of it that way yeah and even you don't maybe ask someone who's not engaged with your program when i say to you the word co-op placement what 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 do you think that means ask someone who's not working in the space who's currently not using yeah. uh, uh co-op uh, and so on and you know maybe some people may come out and say it's like oh well we get what you send me well maybe that isn't what your program does or well it means i don't have to pay them or or something yeah. right like language is important i had a uh, an accreditation review that I, that I was the chair for two years ago um, for a school said to me, um, you know, we were talking about student developed jobs. So we equip, we all as co-op practitioners equip our students to develop their own jobs. Right. Um, and there's a process. You have to have a process to be accredited to allow that to happen. And that's great. We love seeing students do that, right? They want something very specific. They're really keen, whatever. But this institution said to me, none of our students do that. How do you, you know, what's it like at Dalhousie? And I said sort of what our statistics were for student developed jobs stuff. They're like, wow, how'd you ever get there? It's like, well, I haven't been, you know, the director forever, but I said, one thing we don't do that you do is we don't use the word placement. Hmm. And we went and had a full conversation of if you're recruiting your students into your call program using that word, their mindset is I'm something or someone for you to put somewhere. And she, she said, that's a really good point. Maybe we need to stop using that word. So I, I think it's a great example. I think it's it's a good way to kind of to close out our, our talk here. And, and I've always said, yeah, I think students having the perception or the realization for rather um, that they, they are an active participant in their not only their education, uh, but whether if, if their program does have career or work integrated learning components that, mm -hmm. you know, that that's theirs to lead. And I think, you know, roles like yours and, and other practitioners are there to assist them along the way. But at the end of the day, like this is your career. You you should have an active. And just imagine three years after graduation, you know, you did three work terms. You went to that big accounting firm three years after graduation. You want to make a pivot or do something different. Well, if you, you know, went through, got your first work term, you really easy. You were placed, let's say you just went back the next two times. All this great learning that our co-op practitioners helped you with and stuff that toolkit that you can draw on you, you want to apply it and i think by you know equipping our students not just to get work terms but to be successful in however they want to develop their careers 
you know, an, a university program is four years typically, maybe a little bit longer with co-op in it. A college diploma might be a year or two with some form of work-oriented learning in it. But typically, your careers are many, many years longer. And the ability for students to tie in and leverage the incredible skills that we need to develop in them, because there won't be someone to place them there after they leave us. 100%. Well, Robert, I want to I want to thank you for taking the time today no, to talk enjoyable. about the word placement. Sure. Um, and, and sharing your experiences, your stories, uh, your your thrill seeking lifestyle that I didn't <laughs> know you had. Um, and uh, for everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out previous episodes. You know, we've, we've alluded to a couple and uh, we will see you next time. Won't be back in a year Cause all the fallen leaves The birds, the breeze Capture me again And all the lies you tell Someone else Sure could use a friend